Hi, I'm Shekhar Gupta and I welcome you to my weekly podcast based on my column, National Interest. Catch it every Saturday morning. At the print, it's been raining awards for our journalism and we'll be very happy to tell you and you will be very happy to know that these awards are coming only for one thing that we do, that is ground reporting. We have reporters going across the country in the most difficult circumstances to the farthest parts of the country and bringing you stories that no one does. And you know what? That costs money. The only reason we are able to do it is that some of you, many of, many of you good people take paid subscriptions and you keep renewing them. So if you have taken a subscription already, please renew it. And hopefully I would requ request you to increase the amount you pay. And if you haven't, you must do it because if you want good journalism, you have to pay for it. If you want anything good in life, you have to pay for it. So pay for your journalis journalism. Take a paid subscription right now. As I speak, you will see on my screen how to do it. There will be links also given with the description of this video. So please go ahead and do it. We need that money from you. Having said that, I am now coming to this week's national interest, which I think talks about a very, very serious issue. Every week we talk about national interest. If you call it national interest, it has to be a very serious issue. But this week's in particular. How critical the issue this week is? Let me get to the point. If the visuals we have seen from Amritsar these past couple of days, a radical mob of followers of a new charismatic and radical preacher, Amrit Pal Singh, do not jolt us. It shows how indifferent and lazy we become on the most critical issues of supreme national interest. They stormed a police station, Ajnala, next to the border with Pakistan. As sensitive a zone as you can name, they forced the state to release one of theirs arrested for kidnapping. Watch those craven, groveling videos of the Amritsar police chief saying that the protesters have proved they have proved that the charges were fake and that the police believed them and were withdrawing the FIR. Thank you, Sarji. This is the new bleeding heart Punjab police. We never thought we'd live long enough to see. There were some such surrenders made by Punjab police in the post-1978 epoch of militancy. But with a demonstration of embarrassment and helplessness, now it has been done with a straight face, with relief written all over it. This in a state where even an FIR for a fake bicycle theft is near impossible to erase until a person's death. In a state where the police would even like to go to the Supreme Court over a bicycle theft FIR. Not for three decades, in fact, not since VP Singh's disastrous daily wage government traded those arrested militants for the Home Minister Mufti Mohammad Saeed's daughter, Rupaya, have we seen a state capitulation like this one. Think, a big police station right on the border was overrun by a mob armed with swords and firearms. An arrested suspect was freed and then the state said, sorry, we were in the wrong. You have to be nuts to imagine there will be no consequences for it. Nothing will please me more than to be proven wrong on this in the times to come. The cruel fact, however, is that we are repeating mistakes of a, of a bad past in Punjab. No government, not that of Punjab, the state or even the center. Probably they are distracted or they are focused. Sthit Pragya, one with, one with steady intellect, as we know from Mahabharat, on fighting Rahul Gandhi has expressed any concern yet. Escapism is no plan or solution. But 
For what's going on in Punjab, I find it impossible to avoid unleashing that awful cliche on you. What is that cliche? We have seen this movie before. The last time we saw it, say from 1978 to 1993, it was like a horror film that never ended. It consumed tens of thousands of innocent lives from all communities, though mostly Sikh and Hindu. Saw countless assassinations, a controversial military operation at a scale never before and hopefully never after, strained communal relations and a generation-long alienation. It took 15 years, 15 years to begin the return of normalcy. Everything today looks similar to the way troubles began on Baisakhi Day, April 18, 1978, except two differences. One, there was bloodletting and death that day as a group of Bindrawale supporters protesting at Indirankari sect congregation were fired at in Amritsar. By God's grace, we haven't seen violence even at a fraction of that scale right now. If you are relieved with a sense of so far so good, I underline for you the other difference. Bindrawale never ever used the word Khalistan. Never. Many, many journalists met and interviewed him. I did so nearly 20 times in 1983-1984 and he never mentioned the K word. In fact, even the last time I saw him in his huddle with key lieutenants at the Akal Takhat, this was by the way his last appearance in front of outsiders when the army had already begun encirclement of the temple complex in Operation Blue Star, he did not ask for a sovereign state. In his last weeks, as tensions were rising and a military-style operation was looking inevitable and was being talked about, there were lots of rumours, he changed his tone but was still careful with his words. We asked him often, on the record, not off the record, on the record, and these are all published, published interviews. We asked him often if he wanted Khalistan or what he thought of the demand of Khalistan. He would now say with a mischievous smile, I never asked for Khalistan. I will never ask for Khalistan, but if the Bibi, if the Bibi gave it to me, I will take it. Bibi was the way he said, the lady referring to Indra Gandhi. If the Bibi gave it to me, I will take it, but I never asked for it. I will never ask for it. Amritpal Singh, on the other hand, has been using the K-word from day one. Of course, he packages it simply as a demand for self-determination, which he asserts should be anybody's right in a democracy. Then he goes on to say that if Amit Shah says he will crush the Khalistan movement, he would rather remember the fate Indira Gandhi met for making the same boast. Part of the old movie slash new movie story is the politics of the state. Punjab's post-independence history tells us that the state sees a crisis whenever it has a weak leadership. The leader seems controlled by Delhi and incapable of keeping the Sikh religiosity in his political tent. When you have a combination of these three factors, space opens up for radicalism. The definition of weak in Punjab is particularly nuanced and it isn't determined by the size of an elected government's majority or there would be no problem right now. There would be no issue right now because Amabi party has a huge majority. The state needs a strong individual as chief minister. The party in power also doesn't matter so much. It can be Congress, can, it can be a Kali Dal. Now there's a third party, Amabi party, but the party doesn't matter so much. Pratap Singh Kero ran a Congress government from 1956 until he was removed by Nehru in error because he was facing some scandal charges. Today, those scandal charges would look like traffic offenses, but Nehru removed him in 1964. 
Soon after, on February 6, 1965, he was assassinated on his way to Chandigarh on GT Road near Sonipat. Punjabi Suba, a separate state for Punjabi speakers, which was actually a code for a Sikh majority state, which remained mostly dormant, sprang right back on the forefront. The state was divided in 1966, as you know, Punjab, Haryana, etc. came into being on that day. Himachal became a full-fledged state. Things were calmer for a few years until a Congress government under Gyanis Singh took over in 1972. Now, I'm not going in, into too much detail, but the fact is that in the three years before that, many governments had come and gone in Punjab. And it was becoming evident that Mrs. Gandhi wasn't going to allow a non-Congress or an Akali Dal government to survive in Punjab. In fact, that's when Prakash Singh Badal became Chief Minister for the first time, lasted a year. Then came Gurnam Singh, again Akali Dal, lasted just about a year. Then he, his government fell because of a defection by Lachman Singh Gill, who became Chief Minister. He died shortly afterwards in an air crash. So there was, a, there was about three years of instability in Punjab. In 1972, as we just mentioned, Gyanis Singh took over with the majority as the Congress Chief Minister. 1972 was just after Mrs. Gandhi had won that famous victory of Bangladesh liberation. Two things need to be noted. Gyanis Singh was no strongman like Karo and he wasn't a Jat Sikh. He was a Ram Gadia, the carpenter caste, that's an OBC today, other backward caste. Which brings us to the second peculiarity of Punjab politics. It, need, it needs a strong leader, a Sikh. And, and then a Jat, a Jat Sikh. Bhagwant Maan actually is a Jat Sikh. In fact, Gyaniji would often say ruefully that he might be the last non-Jat chief minister of Punjab. He tried his best to win over the Sikhs through his own pivot to religiosity. Among the more interesting, less remembered, but relatively harmless things he did was to bring to India from Britain, quote-unquote, descendants of Guru Gobind Singh's horses. He then marched them in a ceremonial religious procession with thousands and thousands of devout Sikhs following across the state, retracing the 10th Guru's great journey. The second was wilier, cleverer and more audacious, but ultimately disastrous. He looked for a deeply religious Sikh who would embarrass the Akali Dal in the Shurumani Gurdwara Prabandhan Committee, SGPC elections. That's how he talent-hunted Bhinra Wale. We know the rest of the story. The equally important thing is that this phase of radicalism, I'm talking about 1978 to 1993, that phase of radicalism did not begin with the arrival of Bindra Wale. Within a year of Zell Singh being sworn in, the Akali Dal had passed the Anantpur Sahib Resolution 1973, demanding autonomy that would take them beyond where Article 370 had left Jammu and Kashmir. Why did that happen in 1973? Because the Akali Dal and the Sikhs of Punjab had seen that an Akali government, a non-Congress government was not allowed to survive by Mrs. Gandhi for three years. This was a reaction to that. Now again, by 1978, the combination of a weak, if wily, non-Jat leader, Zal Singh, controlled by Delhi, had created space for radicalism. Akali Dal came to power post-emergency and then Indira Gandhi blundered in dismissing Prakash Singh Badal's second government using Article 356 once she returned to power in 1980. Darbara Singh now was the weak Congress Chief Minister. He was weak and not even wily. Unlike Zal Singh had totally run from Delhi, mostly by Zal Singh's home ministry. This new space now became the playground for Bindra Wale. Though the bugle was first sounded by the Akali Dal, as we had told you earlier, at Anandpur Sahib in 1973. 
प्लीज नोट अगेन पंजाब नीड्स ए स्ट्रॉन्ग जट सिख लीडर वन हुज पॉलिटिक्स कैन सबसूम सिख रिलीजियोसिटी एंड वन सीन टू बी हिज ओन बॉस नॉट रन बाई डेली अमंग ऑल ऑफ इंडिया स्टेट्स पंजाब स्पेशली द सिक्स हैव द स्ट्रॉन्गेस्ट एंटी डेली सेंटिमेंट एंटी डेली इन द सेंस ऑफ एंटी डोमिनेशन बाई डेली सेंटिमेंट दे डोंट वॉन्ट टू बिलीव दैट ऑर्डर्स कम फ्रॉम डेली टू हुएवर रन देयर स्टेट फॉर दैम they don't they don't like it they don't like it if they believe that whoever is ruling their state gets his orders from delhi and only then acts from there we have come to a stage where nobody not even an akali dal out of power talks about even anandpur sahib resolution or autonomy at this juncture now we see the rise of a man who begins his conversations with the demand for khalistan when nobody in punjab politics has even talked about anandpur sahib resolution or the autonomy for such a long time you have the rise of somebody a reasonably young man who is openly talking of the demand of khalistan that's change in punjab how and why has this space been created does punjab have a strong leader now what happens when punjab is seen to be governed from delhi is punjab now being seen to be governed from delhi does today's power politics in the state have the ability to keep sikh leaders elites sentiments and religiosity under its tent can we balance this new wave of radicalism in punjab with free power better schools and hospitals and finally can we do any of this when radicals can overrun our police stations and our top officers go out with public apologies instead of taking action i leave you with these questions <music>